What keeps you going? Where do you get your motivation? Whether you just want to be the best you can be or the best there ever was, we're here to keep you inspired. Conversations with today's top fitness influencers, coaches, athletes, and bodybuilding professionals. This is Inspired Fitness. Here's your host, Sean Futerer. Welcome to the Inspired Fitness Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Flexigenics. Every year, thousands of people undergo unnecessary joint and knee surgeries. Flexigenics was created to offer the very best in non-surgical solutions that allow you to get back to doing the activities you love. Before deciding on surgery, schedule a consultation and explore non-surgical options. I have personal experience with Flexigenics to treat osteoarthritis and tendon damage. I can confidently endorse their hyaluronic acid and PRP solutions. Welcome back to another episode of the Inspired Fitness Podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, IFBB Pro, Kimberly Helm, along with our very special guest. He's 42-time windsurfing world champion and Red Bull athlete, Bjorn Dunkerbeck. You can find Bjorn on Instagram using at Bjorn Dunkerbeck. That's B-J-O-R-N-D-U-N-K-E-R-B-E-C-K. Bjorn, thanks for joining us, man. How are things on the beautiful island of Bonaire? Oh, pleasure. Bonaire has been really good. I've been here for two weeks with a family. I'm part of a windsurfing pro center here in the Laguna of Sorobon. I've been in there for six years. And it's actually the, one of the best water sports areas in the world. So um, it's been a great two weeks. What makes it so great? What kind of surf do you get there? It's very steady winds between 15 and 25 knots. And the water in Lagoon is super nice and smooth, so good for slalom and free riding and also speed sailing. My kids just love it because it's 25, 26 degrees Celsius in the water. So they, they pretty much go all day long. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect temperature. Have you ever been, Kim? I have not been there before, but the, but the description of the water and, and I love the wind too. And I have not gone windsurfing ever, but it's on my list of things to do. So I'm very excited about listening to today. Well, here we go. Next summer, we have a date between you and Bjorn and the windsurfing school to, <laughs> to try this out. I would love it. Yeah, maybe come in the winter when you guys have bad weathers, because in the winter, also the water is 25 degrees Celsius and the air is 28 to 30. You know, it doesn't matter if it's January, February, March. So it's always shorts and t-shirts. That's Beautiful perfect. weather for any water sport. Nice. All right. I know what I'm doing for New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of give people a, a little bit of a background on windsurfing. There's several different types of windsurfing, and you've competed in, in multiple different areas, multiple disciplines. Can you give us just a little bit of background on the, the different styles? In the professional circuit, there's the three main ones, which is wave sailing, which is man against man, jumping above the waves and riding the waves. They scored from zero to 10 points. Unir has the most points after a 15-minute heat advances into the next round. Usually there's been 48 and 64 people competing in that discipline. And in the end, there's only two left, like in a tennis match or in a surfing competition. And that's the final. Then you have the slalom races, which are fast races with eight men on speed. And there's a we set up course. It's also a knockout system. There's usually eight people in the first seats. And they half go through to the next round. So it's eight final, quarter final, semifinal, and finals. And that's then the, the first uh, wins, obviously. The last and the final is eight. And that's the slalom discipline. Then you had the racing discipline where all the competitors, doesn't matter if it's 50, 100, 200. Then in the 90s, we had a combination between the three, which was called the overall result. 
And that one I won uh, 12 times in a row from 1988 to, to, to uh, 1999. And over 30 world titles just in DCS in all disciplines. I'm also the only one who has won all three disciplines, including the overall and speed sailing. And I managed actually in the mid-90s to win like four years in a row. So I was unbeaten for like 1,500 days in any discipline. Wow. That is incredible. So you've actually been competitive windsurfer for decades, right? You started in 1986 at the age of 17. And you hold more titles, records, and trophies than anyone else in the sport. And in any sport, basically. <laughs> I imagine so. That is that is an, a rare and impressive feat to say in any sport, really. That is incredible. Managed to stay at least on the podium in uh, for over 25 years. 26 years, I was always on the podium minimum one discipline. And in the 90s, very often in all three and uh, multiple disciplines. And I've been professional full-on for 30 years. In the last couple of years, I only do speed sailing which is uh, about uh, going as fast as you can on a windsurfboard. And also called to do 50 knots on a windsurfboard, which I managed like five years ago. And also called doing 100K top speed on a windsurfboard, which I managed to do two years ago at the age of 52. There's a video that you have posted of you setting a world record in the windsurfing for speed at over 40 knots, which in miles per hour is somewhere between 45 and 50 miles per hour. It's actually at 55.98 knots, which is over 60 miles an hour. Over 60 miles an hour. Unbelievable. So in this video, you're actually in a, like a shallow channel, and you can actually see the ground and rocks protruding through the water, and you're going this fast. Now, you've got some safety gear, right? You've got, a, I imagine, a vest and a helmet and, and some other things, but... I want to know, what is it like to go that fast in such shallow water? What does it feel like when you fall? You don't want to fall, first of all. <laughs> Falling is bad. Okay. Very this is bad, good, very good. bad. <laughs> Rule number one, try not to fall. Okay, we're ready. Go go, go ahead. And the Lulu Speed Challenge has been the fastest windsurfing spot for the last uh, probably 10 years. Every year we go down there in November, the channel gets prepared especially to be able to windsurf this quick. And there's not rocks where you see to right of the channel. It's actually sandbags to keep the line straight. So you're going uh, pretty close up to the sandbags to have as smooth water as possible to be able to perform at these speeds. It's like taking a car on a nice and smooth, tarred road where everybody can go really fast or taking the same car on a dirt road where you cannot go fast at all. The trick is to get the angle with the perfect water quality, with the perfect wind strength to be able to do 100 k's an hour. And so far, the only place that is suitable for that is the Speed Channel in Luderitz, Namibia. And I'm going back there this November again. And on my Instagram, there's plenty of videos of that place as well. Yes, there is. If, if, if you get the chance, Kim, go check out his Instagram reels. The, there's some amazing stuff on there. I looked at some of it. It was incredible. Thank so, you. Bjorn, how have you managed to compete at such an elite level for 30 years? What's the secret? My parents windsurfed in Denmark. My mother's from Denmark. My father's from the Netherlands. They fell in love with windsurfing. Then they moved to Grand Canaria, which is a part of the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa. It's part of Spain. It's really the European Hawaii, which really gave me in my early years a perfect training ground with my father having a windsurf center there. I had good variation of competitions, good variation of conditions, and a lot of other adults, competitors to compete against. So I was uh, able to perform a lot between the age of 14 and age of 16 and 18 even. 
and that, that really helped me to set big solid foundation for the rest of my career and you actually wow. competed under spain for a while right for most of my career yes mm. because i grew up there this is more than just a career for you you're literally living your your passion like this is in your dna by now it is for sure yes it's my life <laughs> <laughs> How do you get, <laughs> Sean and I are both trying to wrap our heads around how you were able to accomplish so much success over such a long period of time. When you are learning at such a young age, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to learn through making some mistakes as you go, but you, you get stronger and stronger and you get more confident. Can you talk us through how you built up that confidence at such a young age? The main reason I think was because there was not many young windsurfers at the time. So I competed against adults as I was very young, which I had to really force myself a lot more to be able to perform and be able to beat these big guys, you know, and that had helped me all through my career. And obviously now I'm six foot four, but when I started, I was like uh, four foot three. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up with the sport, which also was a big advantage. I always was very competitive. I never wanted to be second in anything. I pretty much kept it up for for 25 years plus. You mentioned your parents were into the sport as well. And so I have to imagine you had not only them to look up to, but you were getting kind of competitive with them along the way as you got older. Absolutely. My mother was actually in the amateur class in 1979, 80s was second and third in the one design classes. And my father was very fast windsurfer and actually became Spanish speed champion in various occasions in the 80s. I'm actually a second generation windsurfer from our family, and my son is a third generation. So it's it's really working out uh, really cool. Yeah. There's a commercial, Kim. We were talking before we started recording, and one of his sons is 17, you said? and he's, 19 uh, by now. He's 19 now. But yeah, at that 17, he was competing and was a Red Bull junior athlete. Yeah, he's been sponsored by Red Bull International since he was 16. And before that, he was in a support team, but he's been uh, competing ever since he's 12. But he's been world champion in the windsurfing, wave sailing, under 17 and under 20 last year, and top 15 in the overall open last year. And this year is only halfway through, actually. So still a few competitions to go. So in the open, at the age of 19, he's competing with professionals of all ages. Yes. So we're talking about three generations. You know, Sean and I have, when, we, when we've interviewed other sports athletes and other competitors at high levels, you know, we've also talked about the difference between training really hard, having natural talents, having good genetics, having a natural ability for athleticism. Three generations, that's not just a fluke, that, that, has, that has a lot of work that goes into it, that also has a lot of genetics and good athleticism, it sounds like that's within the family. Are these traits that you see, like, did you see when your son was younger, did you see where this would be a, a natural skill set for him? Or how did that come about? Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in my father's Windsor Center, and my kids, they grew up in my Windsor Center, basically. And they were surfing and bodyboarding from the age of three, standing on windsurf before they even could walk. The, the sooner you get into the materials, the more natural it comes to you. All my four kids are very competitive, and that obviously helps as well. Tim, I was just looking through some of Bjorn's accomplishments, and these may not be completely accurate, but 150 World Cup first place finishes, seven Wave World Championship crowns, 12 overall World Championship titles, dozens and dozens of PWA World Champion titles. I mean, and that's just scratching the surface, right? This is just repeat year over year, decade after decade dominance of this sport. 
I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of competitors in this sport at a pro level. How do you just dominate for so long? <laughs> I just wanted to win and I was prepared myself better than the others. And obviously I was doing all disciplines which uh, made it more interesting, but also more difficult. And uh, looking back at it now, obviously uh, it was it was tough, but it was definitely worth it. Can you talk a little bit about some of maybe the, the discipline and the sacrifices you had to make to become so elite in your sport? Well, if you want to win in all disciplines, you're going to put in three times as much strain time as if you only want to win in one discipline. And in many of the big competitions in the 90s, it was 10 days long, it was over two weekends. And you had wave sailing on the wave sailing days when it was good waves. And you had slalom and racing in this 10-day period. And uh, some of the competitors were only doing one discipline or two disciplines, and they were resting on the other days. But I was basically competing every single day, which made it tougher, but also more interesting. Wow. We're going to get into how you train for that in just a minute. The other thing that, just as far as your background is concerned, you also hold six Guinness Book of World Record. What are those for? For most titles in different disciplines, most titles altogether, most World Cup wins. It's actually 167 first places in World Cups and almost 300 podiums. <laughs> it's it's really it's it's almost it's almost unbelievable but obviously i mean this is something that the numbers are just overwhelming so when you have that many wins behind you let me let me kind of get into how you feel after having so much maturity so many wins in the sport do you still feel that excitement when you win do you still feel like you're learning new things or do you feel like you've already accomplished and been so many places that everything is just on the easier level at this point in time there's one thing it's never getting boring to win but i don't win that much anymore i'm 54 now and i'm only going for speed sailing at high levels I already have one hip replacement five years ago. The second hip is going to be replaced at the end of this year because there's already straps and bone against bone. And on tough days, I can hardly walk anymore. When I get it all unfixed, I'm going to be stronger again. So that's the, the price you pay after all these years. Wow. But imagine this has been tough on your body. But I want to do a quick call out to uh, just put Kevin Donahue on notice that uh, Bjorn here has over 300 podiums. So you've got another 100 Close to, to deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin is a he's a world class obstacle course race champion. He's on the, on track to hit 200 podiums by the end of this year. So we've just set a new target for him. What actually goes into training as a pro windsurfer? Just looking at how you ride a a windsurf board in the different disciplines, you're constantly firing your muscles. Your core has to be incredibly strong. Can you just tell us a little bit about what goes into your training? I mean, windsurfing is a good training in itself, but obviously what's very important is uh, body strength, uh, core strength, leg strength. So biking is very important and you got to put in your gym time as well just to compensate and don't get injured. It's a combination. The stronger you are without getting too heavy, the, get a, the better you're going to perform on the water. What goes into your, um, your gym training? I used to be a lot more in the gym than now, but it's definitely the most was leg training and core training. That was the, the main things in the gym. Biking just to keep your cardio up and everything to be able to perform as good the first day as the last day of the competition. And that's why I really won a lot because of the longer competitions with multiple days, a lot of people got fatigued. And uh, I stayed strong mostly over my prime years anyway in the 90s. And uh, that gave me a big advantage. Kim, he would have had to train a lot as an endurance athlete. It was waking up in the morning and then uh, pretty much training all morning, lunch, and training all afternoon, every single day when there's no competition. 
So walk us through what a day looks like as far as what time you get up and how long are you training and how do you fit food and nutrition into your plan? Normally before sunrise, I'm up. I either go surfing, nowadays stand-up paddling. And before I was mostly mountain biking or surfing in the mornings. Then I had a breakfast with uh, carbs and props and other things to be able to windsurf and perform. And then it's all testing and equipment as well, which you did in the afternoon. Then uh, you got to have a little chill time as well to recover for the next day. But basically in my prime time, it was like from morning to evening was training and testing every single day. And what about temperatures and weather? Are you always trying to train in different types of atmospheres, to different environments for competition purposes? Growing up in Canary Islands, we have pretty stable weather conditions, which is actually really good. Uh, so I was pretty lucky as well. And uh, we had a fair amount of competitions in Japan, 10 years in Japan, actually, and Omaesaki between Osaka and Tokyo was one of the biggest ones. And then we had three big ones in Europe, one in Germany, Sylph, which is actually coming up now in two weeks for the 35th time in a row. Then we had a big one in Netherlands, which also the weather is kind of shifty. And also in France, we had two competitions with cold weather. And that was also one of the guys who were pretty good at coping with cold weather because of my Viking. The Hawaiians and Australians always had a bit more trouble with the cold weather, which uh, always was a little bit of an advantage for me as well. So yes, training in, in shitty conditions, to put it one way, makes you stronger in good conditions. That's what I was getting at. I think in order for you to be to be so dominant with your wins, I figured that there was a little bit of that. Clearly, I'm in the wrong sport because I'm a water person. And these places that you're talking about are phenomenal places to be on the water. So I'm I'm a little envious of that. But it sounds like, you know, obviously it's it's a rigorous we, we joke about it we say you know that the, the water is great and these places are beautiful but you are on a rigorous schedule you're out there training you're working your tail off every single day so it's not just fun in the sun and and easy it wasn't now it's more relaxed well you've earned the right to relax at this point thank you <laughs> after three decades of competing and you've had to have had some disappointing and frustrating losses in there somewhere no, not really. I had, of course, losses, but uh, you can't win all the time. But in, in the really, when I was the best, I actually won over was it 12 years, 80% of every single competition I entered. How did you deal with the other 20%, the, the ones that didn't quite go your way? Did that ever get you down? No, but you know what's a mistake, you know, and uh, no one can win everything. And just analyze it and why it did. And usually it was uh, a stupid mistake or breakage of equipment or something like that which can happen. It's just healthy to lose sometimes uh, too, to appreciate winning again. Well, that's a great point. A lot of times when people are competing on a frequent basis and there's a lot of wins that are involved, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to get comfortable to get maybe too confident or maybe you know have a little bit of an ego when you have a lot of wins. So how did you keep that in control to make sure that you were staying focused? Yeah, I think there was a natural talent that way as well. I was never the kind of guy who took it for granted that I was winning. But I took it as a smart way. So if I can win and prepare myself better, then I can win again. I kept that up as long as I could. Successfully, it sounds like. <laughs> Maybe that's your next adventure is that you can write a book on how to be successful from a mindset perspective. Because it sounds like you have a very strong mindset to have been able to balance all of that. Yes, I do. Actually, I have two books out already in, in Europe. And I'm bringing a cinema movie out in three weeks. 120 minute documentary which is going to be shown first in Germany and Austria. The first one is going to be shown on Sylph just two days before the Windsurfing World Cup on the 21st of September. Probably the end of the year it's going to be translated to English and then hopefully it's going to go global. 
we can certainly help push the message on that one. I'm I'm excited to see it. After I've started really looking through your background and watching some videos, it's an amazing sport. I'm certainly going to try it at some point in the near future. We'll make sure we get that on video. <laughs> we, yeah. We're going to need to get that on video. There'll, there'll be a lot of fails. Maybe we really could coordinate next time I come here in the winter, like in March, maybe. We could organize like a long weekend here in Bonaire and I can do the one-on-one -on -one teaching uh, express route. That, uh, I like hey, it. Sign me up. We'd, I'd love to come there. Maybe even do a little broadcast. Cool. <laughs> I, I'm curious, kind of going back to handling the 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 frustrations and the disappointments whether that's you know poor performance or broken equipment or you know crappy weather conditions or whatever the case is these things are tough on you as a competitor both physically and mentally and it requires you to do a bit of recovery how did you tend to handle recovery for your mind and your body between your competitions well in the later years there was a bit of recovery but in the early years there was not much time and that's what I'm paying my body is paying the the price now I mean, it's like in any sport, this level is high. You got to keep training even off season. You got to take it a little bit easier to recover, but it's, uh, it's not much laying around in the sunshine, let me tell you. <laughs> well, so this is a good opportunity for for maybe you to pass on a little bit of advice for younger competitors, like so that for the guys and gals who are competing at elite levels who maybe aren't paying attention so much to their body. I am doing that already. And for a fact, I'm also organizing the windsurfing World Cup on the island of Gran Canaria for the last two years in uh, multiple disciplines with juniors and masters as well. My mother used to organize that one in the 90s for 15 years in a row. And then keeping up that uh, family history as well to make sure that the kids from the Canary Islands have a World Cup in their own backyard. So is there a specific physique style or type that works well with this sport are there certain does it does it matter if you're a certain height do you need to have a certain body build you mentioned that legs need to be strong is there from a genetics perspective are there certain things that work better for this sport in the wave setting part it's good not to be too strong and too heavy so anything between 75 and 90 kilos is good Okay. Uh, in slalom and speed sailing, uh, you need to be at least 85 kilos heavy and uh, six foot. Otherwise, you have no chance at all. Oh, wow. And in speed sailing, to go 100 k's an hour, if you're not 100 k's, you have no chance at all. Okay, so I fit the physique here, Kim. I'm, I'm 87 kilos and six one. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now you found your you found your next you found your next adventure. Here we go. This is it. I've also seen Bjorn that you. Um, I don't know if this was in conjunction with some of your, your sponsors or if this is just something that you did out of best practice, but you have a, a number of videos out where you have wearable technology on, whether that's you know a monitor or a camera or some other piece of technology that's helping you improve your performance. What kind of things have you employed to help you become a better athlete? Well, we use GPS devices that's going to monitor your, 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 your angles on the tech on the wind and also your speeds. I'm actually working with a new app from Dubai. It's called Water Speed App that you can download. I have a couple of download ways. And it works for any kind of sport, but it's a really a good one for any kind of water sport. And that helps you to be able to see what kind of equipment works better and what kind of conditions. So it's not only your feeling, but also you can see it on the laptop afterwards or on your iPhone and uh, actually learn quicker. And that is a new technology that didn't exist in the 90s, but it's very helpful. And, and it's a lot of fun as well. Other than that, protection equipment. Uh, I work with a Swiss company. A company is called Forward Whip. Uh, helmets, impact vests. So if you fall, that you don't uh, get injured. <laughs> Very important. 
If you're injured, you cannot practice. If you're injured, you cannot compete. If you're injured, you don't improve. So have good protection is obviously a key as well. So is the cost for competing at a high level, is it more demanding than a lot of other sports due to the technology piece of it? Well, it depends. If you compare it to any car race, uh, then it's a lot more expensive. Any golfing is more expensive. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you share a soccer ball uh, between 22 persons and just uh, nick around. That's maybe cheaper. So it really depends what you compare it with. That's fair point. Fair point. For those folks who are younger, who are trying to get into the sport, can you get into the sport if you don't have a lot of financial incentives on your side? If you don't have a lot of sponsors yet, you're just getting started, you can still make your way through the sport for quite a bit without having the technology advantages? Well, first of all, you need to find out where your next Windsor Club is in your area. And if you start at a young age, there's usually some support for young talents, you know? Okay. You're not going to... They buy equipment, become world champion. You have to start <laughs> walking before you can run. So sure. get involved in the local windsurfing community. And then the people there will see if you have talent and that probably will help you all to get a good way because everybody likes to help someone else talented to be able to motivate others in the area and promote the local area as well. So that'll be my advice. Start in juniors and uh, get involved in the local communities. I could pass for a junior, don't you think? I don't think so. I'm sorry. I don't think, I think maybe you're just maybe over that just a little bit, but you have the best, you have the best person that you could possibly talk to to learn right here. That is true. That is true. In fact, I've seen also that you have some partnerships in place where you're actually helping improve the technology of windsurfing overall, whether that's for, from the form and function of the board to the different types of sales what do you have going on there? I also made the equipment on high level for my sponsors. At the moment, I'm working for the last 12 years with Starboards and Severn Sales. They're both based out of Thailand and Australia. And uh, I'm doing the speed sales and the speed boards. Also the free ride stuff, so it's easy and fun to ride. I've been doing that for the past 30 years. And then I have two main windsurf centers. One is the Dunkerbeck Pro Center here in the Sorbon Bay on Bonaire. And the second one is obviously the Dunkerbeck Windsurfing Center that's been established in 1978 on Grand Canaria. And there we do a lot with kids in both centers and uh, we create new champions. And we also, we motivate the oldest to keep windsurfing improving their, their, their favorite sport. You got his hands into just about everything in this sport. Absolutely everything. You're right. <laughs> and an uh, unofficial ambassador for windsurfing. It sounds very official, actually. <laughs> and I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a lot about how you had a very rigorous schedule, especially when you were first starting out and when you were getting adjusted to it, you you were constantly on the go because you were in so many sports at one time. Like, to your point, you never had a lot of downtime. You were always on go, whether it was training and competing in multiple categories. So now when your son is is competing – do you give him advice to take it a little bit slower or are you still like full throttle with your son as far as how it may impact his body at a latter date? Well, you have to be smart about it. You need to have a bit of recovery time and he's focusing. He's very good in all disciplines, but he's concentrating on wave saving first of all. So I'm on that side. I'm father at home. I'm coach when he had a competition and I'm also helping him, uh, guide him into his training as well because I know what it takes to become a world champion and he knows that. Sure. And he's already in junior, been a multiple world champion. And also he's been Grand Canaria champion surfing, Spanish champion in surfing. And he's a very good wing foiler and pump foiler and 
all kinds of water sports. They even call him the Kailani of Europe. Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you see him out there and competing, do you get nervous for him? Excited. Yes. Great answer. I yes. don't get nervous. Yeah. Yeah, you've taught him everything he needs to know to be smart, to be safe, to excel at what he does. It is about yes. being excited for him at that point. Yeah, you got to help him to understand it quicker than others. He's very talented. Obviously, at young age, you do mistakes, but uh, he knows sure. that and he learns from mistakes. You got to do mistakes to be able to, to, to improve as well. And uh, no one is waiting for him to go out there and beat him, you know, so he's got to do a lot of work to be able to perform better than others. And uh, that's the saying as well. If you want to be the best, you got to work overtime. That is true. That is true. Do you think he carries a little bit extra pressure because he's your son? Um, he's over that. Because he's been, he's been asked that same question so many times already in the last 10 years. And he says, no, I'm not even worried about it. I'm happy my father has been uh, so successful and I can learn a lot from him. I do other sports like pump foiling and wing foiling that he doesn't even can do. So I'm doing my own footsteps as well. Yeah, I can imagine that is a, a question he's been asked a lot. But you've set a bar that's so extremely high, it's going to be very, very difficult for anyone to ever beat that. No one um, is ever going to beat that. What's your philosophy for life, Ben? Like, you've lived this sport, you've competed, you've done ev almost everything there is to do with this sport. You're now training other people, you've got the windsurfing centers, you're sponsoring the World Cups and, and making this happen. Like, I'm what's organizing your philosophy? the World Cup of Ranking Air. They're, they're one championships on the island of Grand Canary I'm organizing with my team. Is there anything else that you want to do with this sport? Well, I really have been doing this for many years already, like talking to you guys, making you guys understand how beautiful and nice windsurfing is for any kind of person. I mean, alone the ocean is like a place where it cures your body, you know, and being out on the ocean cures your mind. So it's not only a physical sport, it's also a mental sport and something that balances any person that actually gets out on the water. And I'm trying to make it more accessible for more persons in the world and also in knowledge where the good centers are in the world so you can learn it easily. And this is one of the projects that we are pushing for a while already, but we're pushing more in the next couple of years to make it more accessible for more numbers of persons. Now, see, that's a great mission. You've done so much with the sport as a competitor, and now you're doing so much more for the sport for others as just an influencer. I, I think it's fantastic. What do you think, Kim? It's such a pleasure to listen to not only what your accomplishments are, you know, we were, Sean and I were both talking about how impressive your track record is. You've been doing this for so long. Obviously, it's been a lifelong venture. You sound like you're still very excited about it. And that's speaking to the passion part of it. That's that's where I, I get so excited about as a cheerleader, <laughs> so to speak. I've never participated in this sport, but hearing you talk about it, hearing your excitement about it, and that you still want to be involved in it makes me want to learn more about it. Just this morning, I taught two first-timers that are friends of ours here to windsurf, and they were windsurfing back and forward in the first 15 minutes. See, that's I'm only five feet two inches, so I'm not. <laughs> I may not make some of the height requirements, but um, but I but I would love to give it a go. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> what do you think, Bjorn? We got it. Do we have a junior's size setup for Kim? <laughs> I need the little kids, the little kids version. Yes, we do. So you also have some challenges out there for the windsurfing community. Things that you that you put on. Yes, we are doing the Dungerbeck Speed Challenge. We have three periods every year. They are two months long for anybody anywhere in the world. It's always in uh, April and May. 
the second one, the summer edition, just finished. Now with over a thousand competitors on the global ranking. Wow. It's called a, uh, July and August. And the third edition is October, November. And last year we had close to 3,000 people on the ranking list. You can sign up if you want, uh, both in windsurfing, in windsurf foil and wing foil. And it's on gps-speedsurfing.com. Songbook Speed Challenge. And every year we have more and more participants. The youngest ones are under 10 and the oldest ones are over 70. So it's a concept to motivate anyone to use a, a GPS device and get out there on the water and measure their speeds and abilities with anyone else on the on the globe. We have over 40 nations joining at the moment. Wow, that is so impressive. I'm so impressed with the stuff, Bjorn, that you're doing here that I just got to take a second and appreciate. Uh, breathe. <laughs> yeah, and, and appreciate what you're doing for the world of windsurfing. I think it's amazing. Well, and I think, you know, one of the reasons why it's so interesting to have this conversation with you is that you're very relaxed about it. You know, you're taking it all within stride and, you know, you've accomplished so much and yet you're not, you're not boastful about it. You know, you, you have good recognition of it. You're giving back to everybody with your skill set and what you've learned. And I think that's what's so impressive about it is that as much as you've competed is as, is as much or more as you're giving back. And I, I love that part. Thank you. Yeah. So do you travel? Are you almost always on the road now since you're doing so, so you're spread so thin with all these different things. Do you travel most of the time? I travel as little as possible, but I do actually do a bit of traveling again now. First with the moving coming up, I do two weeks premieres in all of Germany and Austria from the end of September to the mid of October. And then at 29th of October, I fly to Namibia for three weeks. I will do the little speed challenge and see if I can actually go over a hundred Ks again. Goal. I done five times two years ago, and the goal is to manage to do 100 Ks again. And after that, I'll be back in Europe, and then probably back here on Bonaire in March. And I'll be there too. <laughs> <laughs> One so, day before me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bjorn, you touched on something a little while ago about the spirit of the ocean, the healing power of the ocean. And this is something I, I know Kim is passionate about. She refers to herself as a water person. I prefer to be on the water myself although I'm, i don't have easy access to the oceans we do have a, a lake <laughs> so being on the water is cathartic in a lot of ways what's it been like for you and what do you try to instill in in students at the windsurf school about embracing the water using it for its healing properties getting your mind right and being in the moment well, first of all, it is all the kids to take the trash that our people had dropped and take it out of the water and drop it in the trash can. And always in the same goal, don't throw anything away. Recycle as much as uh, you can for you and for everybody else. And then that teach them about the sodium and the salt in the water that's healing your body. And it's just not only water, it's also therapy for, for your body and for your, for your soul as well. And when they grow up next to the ocean, they can all feel that, but they don't know why it is. And especially here, there's so much salt in the water that's so healthy for you. And the area is full of mangroves as well. And I'm convinced yeah. that the oxygen level here is so high because I feel so good when I'm over here. And uh, I just feel more energetic. So these are all factors to be trying to find out and actually be able to prove. There are healthier areas on the, the, the earth than others. I mean, a big city, obviously the air is not going to be as good as, as here in Bonaire. I try to be a good areas most of the time. And these are the things that we teach uh, the kids as much as possible. See, I love that. And I love that one of the first things that you said was about respecting the environment. 
Stan knows a couple months ago, I was in Sri Lanka doing some conservation efforts and cleaning up some of their ocean. They have a, a huge challenge with the trash there. It, it is it is overwhelming. It was one of the reasons I went there was to better understand the the challenges they have with their conservation efforts and the environment. And we did some surfing out there and you literally are, when you're paddling on a board, you are picking up trash, you know, with your hands as you go through the water. And it's a very big concern. And at the same time, there's a lot of people who are out there trying to do better with it and trying to to improve what's already out there. But I like that you're bringing awareness to that because not everybody sees that when they're not always in the ocean. Yeah, lately, there's been a lot more attention in the last 10 years about educating all the kids to take care of the planet. And yeah. obviously, everybody on this planet has to help because if only half help them, you're going to not be able to, to get it clean. Everybody has to do it. Yes. Yes. Every and all the you know the water is connected. It's it's all of our planet. You know, and so what happens on one side of the world tends to travel over. So it is. I totally agree. It is everybody's responsibility. Since I was a kid, the the, the population of Earth has uh, doubled. Yeah, we live on a planet of limited resource, so we should care for the ones that we do have. Bjorn, you're working with kids. You're working with even adults who want to learn learn the sport. What advice do you have for people who are just starting to get into it? most important thing is to do a good windsurf center because then you have the right teacher, you have the right equipment, and you will learn it in the first half an hour because the equipment is so advanced these days. The worst mistake you can do is learn it with a friend with the wrong equipment in the wrong conditions because then you're never going to learn it. Yeah, and once you learn it incorrectly, it's hard to fix it, right? Yeah, but also then you probably say, I can't do it because you're on the wrong equipment because you have too small board with too big sail, which is good for an advanced sailor. It's very bad for a beginner. The beginning is a big board with a small sail to understand what's going on. And in the winter centers, they have different sizes of boards and uh, sails to make it really easy for beginners. That's why I advance everybody to go to a winter center and learn it correctly. Well, listen, Bjorn, I think you've done some just absolutely incredible things. <laughs> I'm still kind of in awe of, of all the things that you've accomplished here. At this point, I just want to thank you for a really inspiring conversation you know, I, I think the more that you can share with everybody what you've been able to do and that it's doable, you know, like it, it, you've you've set the bar so high in this sport and it, and across any of the sports, really, it's it's a level of determination. It's a level of commitment that most people give up on. Most people don't last that long throughout their life in a single sport. Most people are in it for some highlight reels and then they jump out. You've been able to keep your body healthy enough that you've been able to do it for this long, which is fabulous. I'm interested to hear about how your future endeavors go, all the different competitions that you're supporting, all the, the different networks that you're doing with the younger kids and, and having, having some foundation for people from the age of 70 down to the age of five. I think that speaking to what people can accomplish, uh, you've really demonstrated that better than most people could ever. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. No pleasure. And uh, as I said, I'm up here in March again, make it arrange it and do a podcast from here after you had your first three sessions with me. <laughs> I love that. That sounds yeah. great. That sounds great. Thank you so much. I also noticed that you're wearing your sponsor on your t-shirt, Red Bull. And you've talked to some other Red Bull athletes, as, as I've mentioned, and I've come to believe that they are a really fantastic partner for their athletes. You've been partnered with them now for decades. What's your experience been like with them? Well, I was friends with the owner that passed away last year in a sad situation. And I've seen the company grow from just being in Austria to being over 200 countries uh, these days. I'm very happy to be part of the Red Bull family. 
And I'm also very happy to see that uh, they are pretty much in every single sport at the top level by, by now. Master Stappen just did uh, 10 Formula One races in a row. So this is all like a really great Red Bull spirit winning pass in, in all disciplines. And uh, this is one thing that we're trying to like uh, keep up between all the Red Bull athletes. There's over 800 Red Bull athletes globally right now. Wow. It's far from being the end, that's for sure. Yeah, and I imagine you're probably one of the one of the elite members who've been with them for so long, I would think. I was one of the first international athletes. It was not even uh, Red Bull. I think they just started in England and Germany when I joined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been just 30, 30 years right now. You mentioned that there's a new documentary coming out very soon. It'll launch in Europe and then hopefully make its way over to the U.S. What's it going to be called and... Tell me again where it's going to be. It's on my social media. It's called Born Born to Windsurf. Ah, I like that. That's very good. Very catchy. The poster is uh, on Instagram and Facebook as well and LinkedIn. And uh, the first one is going to be the 21st of September, as I said before, just two days before the Windsurfing World Cup on the island of Germany. Fantastic. Bjorn, thank you very much for being here today. It's been a pleasure talking with you it truly has i'm super impressed with what you've accomplished and what you're doing for the world of windsurfing join us again next time for the inspired fitness podcast until then we wish you a healthy mind a healthy body and healthy habits see you next time thank you for listening to inspired fitness leading you to a healthy mind healthy body and healthy habits to stay inspired visit us at inspiredfitness.net that's inspired.net Until next time, stay inspired.